Welcome to the European Greens podcast, where we talk about the way forward to a greener and fairer Europe, together with green leaders and activists. The European Greens are a European political party that brings together national parties sharing the same green values, like democracy, feminism, support of LGBTQ+, and climate action. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and together, let's green our future. So welcome everyone to a new episode of the Green Talking Heads, our European Greens podcast that we record at the European Greens Council in Copenhagen, where we have the biggest ever ministerial meeting. And uh, we're very excited to have you here, um, Pippa Hecke today, the Minister of State for Land Use and Biodiversity in the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine and Islands since June 2020. And you're also a Green Party Senator since 2019. So your topics are organic farming, rural development, um, with, of course, our common aim to protect nature, environment, animal welfare. Um, and this in a coalition that at first glance is not very favorable for green success. Successes. And nevertheless, uh, you managed, of course, and this is what we are going to talk about today. So um, my uh, first question to you is, because maybe not every one of our listeners is fully aware of what's happening in Ireland, what is the position of the Greens in government in Ireland and the current political context? Well, look, firstly, it's great to be here and it's great to hear that there is such a large ministerial delegation here. You know, I think it really highlights how significant and important really the green movement is now across Europe. So I think that is absolutely to be welcomed. Um, in the Irish context, um, our last general election was in February 2020, I suppose just before the COVID crisis mm. really hit. Um, and we did really well in the general elections and took us a while, but after after a month or so, we decided we would consider negotiating, you mm -hmm. know, to, to go into government. And we spent a long time, it was from that general election, the government wasn't formed until the end of, very end of June. So it was sort of a five-month period, really, a couple of months of negotiation time. Um, and indeed, with two parties who have, either one, have always been in government in Ireland since our formation of our state over 100 years ago. So we're, um, you know, it was very much a, a shift Greens had been in government previously, but in a much smaller capacity, um, you know, with another, with a, one of the, the other parties. But so we have a three-way coalition. Um, we we got seven percent of the vote in in the general election. Um, mm -hmm. We were polling around two or three or four percent, you know, going into that, and it, so it was really. It's still small, but wow, we, we managed to negotiate a programme for government. It's probably, it is absolutely the greenest programme for government, um, certainly in Ireland and potentially across Europe. Um, and I think that time that we took almost to negotiate it, I wouldn't recommend it for, for everyone to spend months and months, but, you know, it helped us tease issues out with our political mm -hmm. partners and, you know, to maybe be able to demonstrate why these things were important for us and for important for, for the Greens across Europe and, and certainly, you know, green movement in Ireland. Um, so we're in government now two and a half years, coming up to two and a half years. Um, I was really fortunate and honoured to be um, 
um, put in as a Minister of State in the Department of Agriculture. I am a farmer myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an organic beef and sheep farmer. We have some forestry. We have a couple of horses. So a little bit of everything. So I could certainly bring that knowledge from my my background to, to the table. Um, and I also sit a cabinet. So um, mm-hmm. I you know have a, there's four Green Party members in a 19 person cabinet. So that's quite significant mm-hmm. number sitting around the table and certainly has changed the dynamic I think in the conversation which is great yeah that's uh, that's great I mean the success in the last elections was probably also because of a lot of support in society among Irish voters but would you say were the main reasons uh, people voted for the Greens yeah I think there was I think eventually people are starting to realize that think what we how we act and how we behave and how we consume and how we live our lives is having an impact clearly on our environment, on our biodiversity, our water quality. Um, and, you know, I think that realisation is, is is seeping in now to society in Ireland. I think we, we're probably a little bit behind the curve compared to other European countries. Um, but, you know, I think we're getting there. I think the, the, the time was certainly ripe then. Um, and even now, having been in government for this two and a half years, our, our cycles are five years. So we're mm-hmm. a bit over midway, potentially, you know, if we go to full term. Um, certainly we can see our impact on, on, you know, over the last two and a half years and certainly with our um, our government colleagues as well, our, our coalition partners, they're yeah. understanding more. So I think that's really, really important, you know, that mm-hmm. those voices are there. We're normal people. People can sit down and have a, you know, a drink or a cup of coffee like with, with us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and a, there's a sense there that the Greens yeah. are always a bit aloof and a bit out there and a bit away but we're not you know we all want to achieve the same thing and if you can you know I suppose articulate that yeah, and so it's really also a different way of doing politics you say a different way of people being able to approach you and talk about what they yeah for sure and I think at the very start it was difficult because we were in a you know lockdown situation with COVID and for the first year and a half you know we even as a cabinet we were all sitting two meters apart and it was you know, it's, it's difficult, but now Mao's in a lot better and there's a lot more um, conversation, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you say uh, it's almost halftime, it's uh, very mm-hmm. interesting to take a, like a look at what you already achieved and what changes you were already able to implement or mm-hmm. start to get going. So uh, maybe we can talk about your field of work a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, maybe you can start. I mean, with the farmers, it's always really a general question also with the EU subsidies and so on to get the change going to really implement uh, the shift to organic farming. So how did this go for you? Yeah, um, I suppose when we when, when we set, when the government was established, we were sort of midway through, in one sense, the, the CAP strategic plan negotiations mm-hmm. and it hadn't been, you know, the regulations hadn't been fully signed off at an EU level and we were working internally as well. So in a way, it was good we came in when we did because we could influence as much as we could um, from a national, from, a, from our own perspective on that. So certainly Certainly, I think we've delivered the, the greenest cap for, for Ireland. Um, it's not all there, but I mean, I think we've certainly seen a, a shift in terms of, I mean, for example, organic farming, it's only at 2% in Ireland, thereabouts, you know, way below most European countries and certainly the EU average. And we have now a commitment to get it to 7.5% by the end of the next cap round. So that's the next five years. People might think that's not particularly ambitious. It is ambitious for Ireland to, to make that move. Um, we've certainly seen a shift in attitudes, certainly among farmers as well. Look, the the, the crisis in in Ukraine and the increase in fertilizer prices has has certainly had a, a you know a, 
an impact on that and farmers are thinking about their input costs so that in one sense has been sort of useful um, but certainly elements such as results-based payment models so farmers mm-hmm. you know are paid on, on a result rather than an action that has been a big and we've, we push hard for that certainly within our own cap um, and I, you know and there's a, there's a number of other elements there certainly around the eco scheme payments as well in the pillar one um, you know associated with the direct payments but beyond that I mean aspects like forestry in Ireland are, are, are challenging as well again Ireland is at one of the lowest areas of forestry cover it's 11 percent 11.6 percent and we're way behind other countries we don't have that cultural connection with forestry I mean you know 7,000 years ago we were 90 percent covered in trees but we you know at this turn of the last century we were at one percent um, so we're trying to, I mean, that's a significant part of our climate action plan. And I suppose actually it's important to say we passed a really robust and ambitious climate act in Ireland at the end um, of last year. And that has been significant because that now sets in stone what we have to do. We've committed now to, you know, in legislation to reduce our emissions. And that is now filtering through government departments, my own department in agriculture, but also housing department transport energy and all of those so that that's really significant and we're every year we write a new climate action plan and we're on the cusp of a new one now and it's challenging because you know this the last couple of years haven't helped um covid hasn't helped the crisis in ukraine hasn't helped you know people's focus goes very much on on you know cost of living crises and we're, we're still trying to you know keep keep the environmental agenda if you like to the fore um and but it's it's you know i think we've really delivered a lot of things i mean we made in terms of even an example for like dealing with the cost of living crisis over the last number of months you know we reduced public transport um costs Mm -hmm. by 20 percent for you know across the board and and that's been people are now taking the train when they may, may may not have never taken the train so we are seeing those sort of shifts so whatever we can do i think to to deal with the this immediate crisis whether it's cost of living or or energy crisis as long as it has some sort of long-term beneficial effect, then I think we're, mm. you know, we're well-placed to deliver on that. Yeah, that's, it's really impressive how you then uh, in this government managed really to, to push for this paradigm shift and actually really manage to have this green agenda and to, to push it through um, and also to get farmers on board. So I think this is, uh, yeah, that's really impressive. And maybe you can say a few words more about the Climate Act, because I think this is really uh, interesting. I think it tackles probably a lot of policy fields. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I suppose crucial to its delivery or its implementation is our climate action plan, which, as I said, we write, we, we you know, we create a new one every year. Um, it will have hundreds of actions in there, you know, across the departments, all the departments across government. Um, obviously, there's significant ones in there, um, you know, for agriculture. I mean, the three main agriculture, you know, transport, energy are always there at the top. But also what's, I suppose, become more apparent in recent times is the the impact of our, our built environment and the construction sector is a massive emitter in Ireland, you know, almost on a par with agriculture, yet the focus is always on agriculture, transport and energy and construction sort of largely gets ignored. And through my um, remit as a minister responsible for, for forestry, there's a connection between the you know the forests we plant and the wood we produce and the end use of it we produce quite a lot of timber in Ireland but we export most of it mainly to the UK Mm -hmm. and we don't tend to build so many you know wooden homes or or timber uh, structured 
homes in Ireland. Um, and certainly there are now, it's apparent that there are regulatory barriers to that. We have fire regulations that don't allow us to do it. But you look at a, Scot- or a, a country like Scotland in, in, in the UK, and they've like 80% of their homes have, have you know, are, are timber frame. Whereas in Ireland, it's about 24%, you know, and we're sort of similar in the sense that we, we would want similar things from our homes. You know, they'd be you know, warm and airtight and waterproof and all of these issues and fireproof, but we're seeing barriers there. So across the board, I think that's where our, we're going to see actions in our climate action plan that will deal with all of those different sectors. And of course, there are overlaps in between, you know, and um, but it's, it's, it's ambitious. We agreed sectoral targets as well during the summer. Um, and um, there was a bit of a battle around agriculture, um, and we, we, you know, we sort of settled on a figure of agriculture will reduce its uh, sectoral emissions by twenty five percent. But one big aspect, which is still, I suppose, um, not answered, is about around our land use. Lulu CF, um, of course, forestry comes within that as well. But we, we've left a, a sort of a chunk of unallocated emissions there that will have to be allocated over the next number of years. And that's what we have to focus on getting that right as well. Yeah, I guess all Greens in government know the battles with other departments that are not in green hands Mm -hmm. to basically implement ambitious uh, climate policies. And I guess the fight against the climate crisis really what we all have in common here uh, at the European Greens, but also, of course, what the Greens in government try to implement. So maybe let's take a look a little bit on the European level. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you see common approaches and good ways for cooperation with other Greens in government? What exists already? What would you need? What do you want to see or want to push forward? Um, Well, I've just actually come out of a a, a sort of a get-to-know-you meeting with um, European Green um, MPs and and, and colleagues on on pesticide use, for example. And, you know, we do have a sustainable pesticide um, use directive. We have commitments in the in the green deal to have our pesticide use um, and that was really interesting because you know different countries have a different perspective mm-hmm. and on this and um, I think certainly at the moment the sense is um, that you know we, we need to be somewhat pragmatic here we need to I mean, we hear it all the time, like bringing people along with us. But if we don't have, if, you know, if, we, if people don't see the purpose of what we want to achieve, then they will just say, why should we do this? No, we're not doing this. So I think we do need to certainly think about how we message um, certain elements of, 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 of what we believe in as Greens. And I think we can do that really well. And certainly, you know, I learned a lot from that meeting, even just from my, because it's something I wouldn't be entirely over in terms of the, at the EU level, certainly within my own country. So um, I think, I think meetings are really important and maybe we don't have enough of them at, at, at a government, you know, ministerial to ministerial level. I know there's a lot of policy meetings maybe underneath, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the, it's, it's the politics and the Greens in government that will deliver. Here's an interesting uh, account I heard from a colleague of mine who spent, um, years like six or ten years in in the ngo sector and he said in ireland this was and he has said like in the first six months in government the greens in ireland delivered more than he ever saw delivered in you know six or seven years in this in the ngo sector so i mean activism is absolutely important but at the end of the day it's politics that change change things it's politics that help bring about behavioral change in people so it's i suppose it's really important to have those green MPs and MEPs and, and, and 
TDs in Ireland, they're called, and, and, you know, ministers around the table, because that's where the real, the real effectual change happens. With, with the blessing, of course, if you're in a coalition government, because you've agreed a strong, solid programme for government. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the policy we're following at the moment in Ireland, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think, really, keep that going, keep, keep everyone aligned with that. Um, and I suppose, look, a challenge ahead is potentially us retaining our seats, us retaining our, you know, st- trying to stay in government, um, retaining our relevance to, mm. to the electorate. And, you know, and I think that's why we have to be, care- you know, careful in one sense about how we message things, that people actually think, yes, well, that, that green message is going to improve my life. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Uh, we really have to take care that there's basically no backlash after Greens are no longer in government and every achievement is just then um, taken back again. So um, what's your view towards what's happening in Brussels? So really towards Brussels politics, what's happening at the council, in the parliament? How are you personally following it? Um, How do you try to influence it? How does it influence your work? And maybe also where are there new connection points between Greens? Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose from an Irish context, we have two MEP, Green MEPs, um, which was actually quite remarkable. So, you know, having two, we've got Kieran Cough and we've Grace O'Sullivan. I think through them and through the wider European Greens um, network that's useful. I think the other way around particularly from an Irish context um, and just the way Ireland is, I mean it's a small country um, but we we rarely do things unilaterally, you know, we need that direction so we need that real strong I suppose I keep saying pragmatic but I mean it pragmatic green voice from Europe to say, to, to drive the European agenda because you know once it's European regulation or directive or whatever then it helps us move on those issues um because otherwise we're a little bit on an uphill battle if we're trying to change something sort of unilaterally in in ireland you know as a as just its own member state we don't haven't been marvelously successful i suppose over the years with that it might be different now over the next couple of years with the greens there but um i think that you know there's an awful lot we can get from Brussels. When Brussels tells us to do something, you know, that arms us uh, and we like that. <laughs> yeah, as you said that the multilateral approach is especially important for Ireland. Do you really notice the benefits of having other Greens in government? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and certainly there's lots we can learn um, from that. And there's different challenges because the, 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 the we're all in coalition governments to different you know with different um ideologies and you know in one sense initially going into ours i mean our, our two coalition partners Fine Gael and Fine Fall would probably consider themselves sort of center-right centrist they'd use the word centrist a lot um and in a way we're grateful for that we don't have that really hard right-wing political movement yet in ireland we might do among some individual politicians um so you know if we can keep them on the center ground it's it's going to be useful to us and and i think they see that too they see this is where the direction of travel is going this is where the eu is going this is where we need to we need to nail this down and even from an economic perspective for ireland you know if it's not going to meet its climate change targets and you're a big foreign direct investor you might say i'll tell you what i'm going to come to denmark instead of ireland you know similar climate you know similar temperature we can keep our you know factories running and that's you know <clears throat> that's where you can appeal to that mm-hmm that um, more, I suppose, economically driven uh, 
perspective and it's it's what will happen yeah so <coughs> pardon me indeed there's a need uh, for transformation to keep it going and to have the backing um i think that was also a very last final sentence from you again thank you very very much for joining us today and of course we wish you a lot of fun and insights and fruitful exchanges with everyone here in looking forward to it thank you very much thanks Pleasure of interviewing Georges Riquet this morning, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Mobility in Belgium. Uh, welcome. Thanks uh, for the welcome and good morning, everyone. <laughs> good morning. Um, before we start, I think it's important to get everyone who listens to us on board. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the Belgian political context and the Greens in the government. So, basically, who are you in the coalition with and what are your goals? The Belgian Greens. And Dutch speaking and French speaking are in the federal government for two years now. Uh, after the election of uh, 2019, it was difficult to have a government, and we have a government, a coalition government with seven parties, four political families, then the Greens, uh, with uh, uh, five ministers, two deputy prime ministers. I'm deputy prime minister in charge of mobility. Uh, my colleague Petrol Sitter. Was MEP um, is uh, in charge for telecommunication. Uh, Tine van der Straten is in charge of energy, very difficult. Uh, Zakia Katabi uh, responsible for, for climate, and Sarah, Sarah Schlitz works on equality between men and women and very important topics. Uh, we are working with uh, social democrats and liberals and the Christian democrats and the Flemish. Uh, part of Belgium, and like other governments, we have to, to face crisis. Uh, after COVID, we had flows in Belgium, and uh, also no war in Ukraine, and its consequences on, on the price of energy. And we have always to find solution to show we are able to govern a country, even in a bad situation. Then short-term solution to to find perhaps paradoxical with a green point of view, uh, send weapons to Ukraine, uh, mm -hmm. to lower the taxes on, on energy, uh, to take freedom back from people in time of COVID. But we have also to find uh, solutions uh, which are um, supportable for people, but we are trying to uh, build the transition we are there to build the transition in energy in mobility and we are doing it prepare the future yeah so uh, as you mentioned in the belgian context with many parties and many interests involved in the coalition talks what were your main goals so what was clear for the greens they need to achieve uh, when entering this coalition yeah we are not in a government to be in a government we have we are in a government to to change our country and uh, our main subject is transition our mm -hmm. prime minister which is a with the liberal says it's the greenest government uh, that we received in belgium but you agree i agree because it's <laughs> only the, the second time and uh, we are in the government this one it's still greener than the, the, the first one it was in the, the in 2000 uh, but you, you you can also always do do better but yes uh, we are we are the greenest government in belgium 
for forever and we are working to uh, concretize what, what uh, in the our government agreement is on we are working on renewable energy we didn't invest so many uh, euros in uh, renewable energy in uh, hydrogen uh, as i am responsible for mobility we are refinancing our, our railways we will give uh, till the end of the year the director to sncb or historical uh, company who are working at, at european level at, in each council to for a greener europe uh, also and we are trying to have uh, more rights for 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 people uh, in difficulties uh, to to let nobody uh, in the in bad situation and to find solution for for everyone and also to have new legislation right to vote uh, until 16 for the European election uh, ecocide in our penal code uh, feminicide. Uh, better protection to to women. Uh, it's uh, all things you are doing in, in the government. Not always easy in the circumstances, and we have uh, we have not only friends and in the government mm -hmm. and in the opposition, but uh, we are going uh, in a good direction. I think. Yeah, this is uh, interesting. So, how do you manage to basically push the many successes you just listed through um, with your coalition partners? Because indeed, uh, it looks like you have a lot already achieved. We have to do better. It's not mm. finished. We are working till uh, 24. Um, it's not so easy because of the circumstances. Uh, the budget are very um, crap uh, with the situation. We had to uh, help people with, with COVID. It cost uh, a lot of money. Uh, the situation on energy uh, asked us to, to help the, the people. Then we have... Uh, to little capacity to invest, but Europe helps us uh, with, with the with the green deal, and we, we try to do the the best. We have now to find the, the good rhythm. Uh, I received uh, two billions for the future of the railway. I, I ask it more, but we have to do with the the, the middles we we receive, and um, it's not so easy because uh, yes, uh, our, our colleagues don't want us to. To win and to um, to reach our, our goals, but it's like in a coalition. Uh, mm. I think we uh, receive uh, respect. We have to fight. Uh, are, uh, there are also most difficult uh, topics about migration. It's very uh, uh, difficult because uh, we are far more open than that our colleagues are. Uh, but uh, yes. We keep on fighting. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, what we also heard from the other ministers that uh, fighting the climate crisis is uh, on everyone's top priority uh, for being in government as Greens. But then when it comes to money, to really pushing through the transformation, it is, of course, a daily struggle that you just have to do. Um, yeah, and the topics like migration are also always a challenge with the coalition partners. Um, maybe you can say a little bit more about the yeah, the plans you have for the near future, what is still on the agenda and how you yeah, want to start to tackle the 
your agenda. Your yes, I, I'm working on, on mobility uh, mm -hmm. and uh, we have to uh, bring more people and more goods to, to train. And uh, therefore, you, you need to have uh, a good vision. You have to have the, the middle for uh, the investment uh, for a good cooperation also with the economical sector. And it's very important, I think, to, to show that what the Greens bring is also positive for, for the economy. Uh, we have studies in Belgium showing that if you invest one euro in a railway, that brings three euro back uh, because uh, of the uh, famous working <coughs> on, on the railway. And I'm working a lot with uh, private companies uh, about it. It's, and I think it's important to show that we have also a, a solution for, for the economy. Uh, but we are also trying to get the night trains back. Uh, I'm very proud mm -hmm. to have uh, a decree uh, yeah. about it. And I hope that you know, uh, in other European countries, the, the same decree can come. Uh, the, the companies which are running uh, night trains will be free of charge in Belgium for their energy and for, for, for the cost of the, of the past that they have to, to reserve. And I think it's a very interesting solution so that we can bring a level playing field with, with, with uh, aviation. We have the, the first uh, flight tax uh, in Belgium, too low to, to begin, but it was important to have it so that it can uh, evolve in, 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 in the times. Uh, I also work on road safety. Uh, too much place for, for, for the cars in, in our society, uh, riding too, too fast, and we have to, to find solution and also to, uh, to push the bike uh, as a mobility solution. Uh, we have the first federal plan for, for the bike. I hope to make a uh, 24 European year of bike. It's something I, I push. I, I know a majority of countries who are uh, with us for this uh, for this goal, uh, I hope to convince the the, the, the commission. Uh, but uh, I say to all my colleagues, we have to do something about bikes. And my, my uh, colleagues, Minister of uh, Interior, uh, responsible for police, says yes, we will put more policemen on bike. It's always it's also a, a way to have a, a more. Uh, a, a police which is nearer to, 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 to the people. We are uh, trying to find solution against uh, bike death, uh, which is uh, a, a huge problem for, for, for people because uh, mm -hmm. if you have an e-bike, it's very expensive and you don't want it to be, uh, to be stolen. And uh, I work to, to put also more bikes on the train more easily, uh, take you, you, your bike on the train, but you have to make move years and years of conservatism mm. and we are there only for two years and it takes time uh, but uh, we are in the good direction yeah i uh, i also currently live in belgium and i have to say it's amazing you can witness the change in mobility so how it is changing i it's not perfect yet but it's really ongoing and i'm especially in the field of transport uh, very impressed and also have to commute between Berlin and Brussels by train, so I can say compared with Deutsche Bahn, honestly, good. Um, <laughs> yes, but we have to do better. Yeah, yeah. Better. Um, so you mentioned the night trains, and I can say, I think I speak for the entire Green family, we love night trains, so it's really cool that's a project. Maybe you can use this as an example to basically 
demonstrate how you also work with European colleagues on this? Yeah, uh, I've uh, four. We are four green ministers of mobility. I hope a fifth one with, with Denmark. And uh, before each council, we uh, speak to, together with Francois Bosch uh, from uh, Luxembourg, with uh, uh, Leonor from uh, Austria, the, the mother of the, the, back, the, the back of the night train. Uh, very uh, wonderful uh, colleagues with Iman from uh, Ireland. And uh, we try also to have good relationship with other ministers not greens, but greens compatible, uh, so that we can uh, have uh, more impact uh, of the, on the decision uh, we are uh, in discussion uh, in the European Council. And we try also to put new topics uh, on the agenda. It's also uh, interesting to, to push the, the, the Commission uh, for example, uh, we have uh, a council uh, Monday in Brussels and we have uh, a point uh, about aviation with our French colleague, uh, which not a green, but uh, with, which who thinks that uh, short distance flights are a bit of a problem. And I deal uh, that. And how can we avoid at European level to short flights? Uh, also private flights, uh, or can we take decision, taxes, uh, or can we forbidden, for, forbid, sorry, uh, such, a, such, such a flight. We are also asking the commission uh, to, to help more <coughs> international trains for mm. goods or for, for people, uh, because <coughs> it's a free market. It's not a choice of the greens, but it's, it's a fact, but we have to allow the country to subsidize those activities to have a better level playing field to, between the train and, and, and aviation and we are working on, on it mainly with the green colleagues mm -hmm. but we are trying to to get other countries uh, with us and to have an influence of the, uh, on the agenda from of the commission yeah no, it's great to hear that uh, that high level of coordination actually also leads to really pushing through green points on the agenda because also transportation is always a big battlefield between different political forces. And I would imagine that especially in the field of transportation, it's especially necessary to coordinate in the case of Belgium, because I guess a lot of people need to pass through by train. So um, do you also look um, uh, like what colleagues are doing in other member states to also look what are the best practices on national level? And do you have a regular exchange on this, uh, how to move forward with the Green Agenda? Yes, it's very uh, important to to see what good works in other countries. Uh, the nine euro tickets uh, uh, in Germany on uh, the pressure of the Green. I, it's a pity that uh, I have no, no a, a Green Minister of Mobility, but I can yes. work with the, the, the German Minister of Mobility, Volker Wissing, which is, who is a liberal. Uh, no, the, the, the climate ticket uh, in uh, Austria, and we are trying to identify the, the best solution. And uh, I came here in, in Copenhagen with my decret about night trains, and I give it to everyone so that uh, if you are in the position of, if you are in the government, you, you can say, oh, interesting what the, mm -hmm. the Belgians are, are doing. Why? Uh, 
couldn't we that, uh, not do that uh, either uh, in, our, in our country. And I think we have to work uh, on it. We had a discussion uh, yesterday with the, uh, the, the, the minister in, uh, in the different government. And I think we have to do that more, more and more because we are not the biggest for the moment, uh, the biggest biggest party, but we have to deal a good solution so, so, so that we, we can be uh, more more efficient. And we have the same goal, uh, strike against corruption, uh, uh, renewable energy, uh, uh, let no one uh in in the in the difficulties uh transition just transition and uh mobility uh, greener mobility uh, more bikes more trains and then uh, we, we are stronger if we work together so if you had one wish uh, what would need to change on the european level in the field of transportation in your opinion uh yes we have to to make it easier to uh run across all Europe with a train. Uh, if you are a passenger, uh, uh, if you want to to move with, with, with goods, huh, because you, you are uh, an enterprise, it must be easier. We have to better coordinate our, our system to uh, have only one railway system, like we have only one Uh, system for aviation, it's too easy for aviation. We have to have a level playing field. We have to tax kerosene. It's a scandal that, that uh, kerosene is still free of charge and we have to, to pay so, so, so much uh, for uh, private consumption uh, of, uh, for, for, for trains. And uh, Europe have to invest more and more in, in the train and uh, make it possible for, for the countries, for, for the government to, to do it. Because everything I do on, on, for, for, for the train is checked by the commission who said you cannot do uh, that. It's uh, subsidies, it's not uh, fair for, 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 for the market. But I always say to the commissioner, The train is not a market, it's a service. Yeah, I'm very glad you keep on working with that together with your colleagues uh, on the European level and other Greens in government. And I thank you so much. We end on this positive note um, for being here and joining us. And I hope you also enjoyed the exchange with your colleagues here in Copenhagen. Thank you so much. very happy to welcome here with us today Aima Sadic, the Minister of Justice of Austria since January 2020, uh, who works on safeguarding the independence of the judiciary and of course prepares legislation in the fields of civil and criminal law and the judiciary and panel system. Um, very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's uh, wonderful to have this opportunity to share some thoughts. Yes, um, and I'm not sure if everyone listening to us knows, so what's the current situation of the Greens in government in Austria? Um, how's the state of play, basically? <laughs> well, uh, it's, um, it's challenging, but it's always challenging when you're in government. Um, let's put it like that. I think it's amazing and it's wonderful that the Greens in governments within Europe are growing, and I think that's important. 
and uh, and I know everyone is uh, who is in government. Um, all of my colleagues uh, from the Green Party who are in government uh, are complaining about the same issues. But we need to to fight together to if because if we want to change something, if we want to change policy, we have to take the seat and fight for it. And um, and if we are in government, we can change certain things. And yes, it is tough and it's challenging and it's a lot of negotiation and it's a uh, uh, and um, it's a lot of gray hair that is being added throughout this uh, period but uh, um, but nonetheless it's worth it because we did change quite a lot but i think we'll get to that yeah i think also many of us uh, followed basically the recent event in austrian politics yeah. and we can imagine how hard it also must be to be in this political context and maybe you can briefly tell us a little bit what were the goals when you entered this coalition what were your aims what did you want to achieve basically as greens in this context when we entered into government for us the two most important things were first of all fight for climate justice and make sure that we enact laws that uh, brings a healthy environment and that uh, bring in place those laws that are necessary that we do have climate justice. And second of all, I mean, um, as some of you probably know, our last government prior to, to the green government right now was a right-wing conservative government. And this government um, was there for two years and then imploded because of corruption. And um, there was a video, I think some of you probably have read about this infamous Ibiza video. Indeed, yes. Uh, and because of that, the government uh, back then imploded. There were elections and the Green entered government together with the Conservative Party. Back then, uh, this Conservative Party was led by Sebastian Kurz. The corruption cases... Uh, the, the corruption case because of which the previous government imploded, of course, was ongoing. There were a lot of investigation being conducted by our, uh, our prosecutor's office. And uh, this corruption case got bigger and bigger. And uh, there were a lot of also really serious corruption allegations against uh, some um, high members of, uh, of the Conservative Party, which in the end led to uh, the previous Chancellor Sebastian Kurz stepping down from his position. Also, the finance minister stepped down from this position, from his position. So right now we had, I think it's the third chancellor right now uh, during our our term. And but we have uh, the same uh, vice chancellor, uh, Werner Kugler, who, uh, who has been uh, vice chancellor since the beginning of our government. And uh, we can also say that the Green Party was the stabilizing factor here. No one would have believed that. When I when we entered government, a lot of people and also friends said, well, Greens in the government, well, that will be a bit chaotic. But it turned out the Greens are actually the stabilizing factor in our government. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the corruption cases that are ongoing. That's basically also leading to your field of work. How was it for you personally to basically start working in this field as a Green after this turmoil, I would say. <laughs> I think one of the most important things for us Greens um, is also to ensure and, and stabilize our democracy. Um, I had a recent discussions right now on, on hate speech and on, uh, on the threat to democracies. And it always says, if we don't have decent democracies, we won't be able to make decent policies. So we have to stabilize our democracies. We have to stabilize and strengthen our democracies and the rule of law. And that's why, for me, the most important thing 
was to ensure that our prosecutor's office can work in peace without any political interference and without any political pressure. Because, of course, due to this huge corruption case and corruption investigations that were going on in the background, there was a lot of pressure on the justice system. There was a lot of pressure on the prosecutors. There was a lot of fake news. Uh, There was a lot of attacks on the prosecutor's office. And this means attacking the judiciary also means you are attacking rule of law and you are trying to to, um, disseminate distrust. And, um, And I saw it as my job to strengthen the prosecutor's office. I saw it also as my job, my job to strengthen rule of law. And uh, therefore, I changed uh, certain things in, in, in my ministry because in previous years, before the Greens entered government, there was certain political interference within prosecutorial cases. And that's why uh, also um, some uh, high members of the judiciary were suspended. Um, when I entered office, I found that in particular the judiciary uh, had uh, lacked a lot of resources. We had alarming, um, I had alarming briefings on how the prosecutor's office did not have enough money, the judges and so on. And if we want our rule of law and democracy to work, we need to have an independent judiciary. We need to have a judiciary that has enough resources to speak justice. Um, and that was that's why one of my first uh, big goals was to uh, ensure that we have enough funding for our justice system. Um, and, the, and the second thing is um, to fight corruption. I mean, because of the previous allegations and those cases that we have, um, people in Austria are losing trust in government, and then therefore they are also losing trust in democracy. And uh, this, is, this is big, and that's why we need to fight corruption, because corruption at the very end is endangering democracy. And why is it endangering democracy? Because democracy promises all that everyone has the same vote and everyone can can change laws in the same way. But if we have corruption, it says that one person or a a small uh, few people can change laws because they have more power or because they have more money. And this is endangering the promise of democracy. And this is why people, in particular young people, start to feel that they are not being represented. Mm-hmm. And fighting corruption, fighting in particular for this, that everyone has the same right, that everyone should be treated equal and sh- should be able to change the laws equally, uh, is something that strengthens the trust in democracy. Absolutely. And I mean, it's the core European value to defend democracy, to defend the rule of law. Um, and yeah, not only in Austria, as you know, it's really something that we all uh, have in common, this fight. But also what we learned this weekend, how much Greens actually can achieve, although the circumstances are not very favorable. Maybe you can um, give us one example of how basically you have to overcome barriers, how you manage to push things through to basically, we always say, punch above our way to basically actually make a change in government. I mean, it's always uh, it's always tough negotiations, and it's uh, it's it's um, always um, difficult because, of course, if you are in a government and if you are in a coalition party, um, 
the, the the party you are in coalition with also needs some wins, but also we as uh, as the Green Party need some wins, and um, and if we if we manage to 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 focus our strength on 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 certain things that are relevant to us in in, in the policy policy sense, and then we will achieve that. And there and I mean. As you probably know, we only have four uh, green ministers in the coalition and uh, uh, seven or eight um, um, conservative ministers. So if we want to achieve something, we need to focus all our energy on that. And we did achieve a lot of things in particular uh, with regard to in, 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 in the climate field, but also in the transparency field and, and, and strengthening the rule of law field. I just want to mention one thing, and this is also the um, the uh, CO2 pricing because we finally managed also to convince our coalition partner uh, that is it, it is important to put the price tag on uh, on 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 things that are endangering our future, on things that are endangering uh, our climate, and uh, we need a fair price for that. Mm-hmm. It cannot be the things that are being transported uh, from the other end of the world cost less money than, for example. Um, the, the the things produced in, in Austria or within Europe. Mm. Yeah, that's also no matter who you talk to, all Greens in government always say climate crisis, fighting the climate crisis has the highest priority. And this is also what we always fight for against everyone else in our own cabinet. And I think this is always really great to hear. Um, because, of course, also what we do here is we talk to each other, we build alliances, we try to influence things. Um, also on the rule of law that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, could you maybe explain a little bit how you try to use this green in government's alliance for your work? I think um, meetings like this are very valuable because... Uh, This is where we all come together and can exchange our views and experiences. And most of all, the views and experiences, the experiences other green ministers have are very much the same nature. And that's why sharing best practices, sharing experiences and how we dealt with all of that is is very important. And that's why I think we should have more meetings like this. I absolutely agree and I think this was a very nice final word um, and I wish you many insights, fruitful discussions, exchange of perspectives here in Copenhagen and thank you again very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for the invitation. <laughs>